was uh, very influential on me who would say, uh, um, Eric, when you start a sermon, you need to know where you're going to start and where you're going to finish. Everything else is sort of like details, but if you don't know where you're going to start and where you're going to finish, you're going to blow it. And, and I haven't learned that lesson yet. I blow it most of the time. But anyway, <laughs> thank you, Hannah. Um, let's, uh, let's pray and uh, prepare our hearts for the Word. Um, Father God, I, I pray that you would bring, uh, bring us into your presence through, through uh, um, hearing your Word, Lord. I pray that you would help me to speak uh, the truth of the text and, and uh, um, help it to, to just pierce the hearts of the folks who are here. Um, I pray that you would remove all obstructions and all obstacles and everything that would get in the way of, of hearing from you this morning uh, and just help us to, to just come into your presence through this teaching. In Christ's name, amen. Um, I believe my wife is going to hand out coloring books. And so if you are a person who needs a coloring book to, to get through the sermon, not picking on Mike today, uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, to keep you awake, is that... <laughs> Um, so if you, uh, if you need a coloring book, raise your hand, uh, and Jess will bring by a stack of them, uh, and some crayons. Please take the crayons with you when the service is over, otherwise I end up, like, sitting and coloring all week, and that isn't productive. Um, <laughs> um, thanks. <laughs> I, I think the, um, the hardest thing for me in, in doing ministry work, and I've been, how long have I been a pat? How long have I wor- worked in churches, honey? Like 15 years? Something like 15 years. And it continues to be one of the hardest things for me is um, I, I sort of have this mindset that um, I have to be perfect, right? And that, that I have to kind of put out this, this perception of perfect and, and, and strong and everything else. And it, it's a tough thing. Um, I had, for years when I was a youth pastor, where I struggled with a lot of personal issues, and I, I just wouldn't talk about it with anyone because, you know, nobody could know that I had imperfection, right? And that there's, I mean, it's kind of the way it is with, with ministers because when you see a minister screw up, it's, it's easy to back up and say hypocrite, right? Or if you screw up, like, it's easy to say, oh, well, you don't have a job anymore. Now you can, you know, go figure out what you're going to do with your life and how you're going to take care of your family and stuff. I mean, there's this, there's a lot of pressure for ministers to carry that, that weight, this you know, image of perfection, um, and it makes it really hard to lean on people. And, and for a long time, I thought that was my deal. And actually, over the years, I figured out that just about everybody lives with this, right? Um, it, it's on men, because men have to be tough, right? And we have to be independent. We have to, you know, carry it. Um, we have to, we have to um, not be, you know, criers or whiners or, or whatever. Like, we have to carry that. Has anybody experienced that? Is it just me? I, it is just me. Um, it, <laughs> um, and it, it, it makes it very difficult to lean on each other. Um, the, the, the series we've been doing this last, um, what, four weeks before today, um, it, it deals with, with difficulty that we carry in life. And the first few weeks dealt with specifically things that, um, like God's angle on this. Like how do we, how do we align hard things in our lives with, with a God that loves us and a God that's all-powerful and a God that, you know, like these things that we know that are true about God. But um, there's kind of another end to this. I may know, I said a few weeks ago, I may know why something bad happens. Like if I could figure out the deep, like brass tax element of why this part of my life is a disaster or why I lost this or why I'm hurting in this area, I would probably still hurt, right? Like knowing why didn't help. 
Um, and so the last few weeks, important. But um, this week and next week, we're going to be talking about um, the what do you do with it, okay? Um, specifically, well, i got to remember to do my slides, too. Um, specifically, we're going to be looking at Galatians. Um, and Galatians, um, as a letter, was written to a church in, in Greece, Galatia, which is in Greece. And so Paul does some funny stuff with, like, Greek philosophy and things like that that are going to turn up as we go, and we're going to talk about that. Specifically, we're going to talk about Stoicism, right? Stoicism is um, like this ancient Greek way of thinking that, that says, like, when you deal with things in life, you need to be detached. Like, the best life to live is the life that is detached from, like, emotions and possession and everything else. So, like, you're not supposed to get sad about something. You're supposed to, like, back up and kind of suck it up and, and be detached, and you're not supposed to feel overly happy about stuff because, you know, that same thing, right? Um, and, and Stoicism as a philosophy isn't, isn't inherently Christian. Um, it, it's something that a lot of folks try to live by, like, oh, no, no feelings, no feelings, feelings are bad. Um, and, and so that's going to come into play here, and I'm going to talk about that. Um, in the previous chapter, because we're going to be in chapter uh, 6, right? So in chapter 5, um, anybody who's been to church for quite a while probably knows this one, right? Like, Paul compares two things. He has a list of things that are sinful that you probably ought to avoid, and it's stuff like orgies and getting drunk too much and stuff like that. Um, and then he has a list of things that are natural products of being alive in the Spirit. Does anybody know them? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Um, I, so we've all memorized or some of <laughs> it, it. The interesting thing about it is Paul sort of mimics the language of the Stoic philosophers. And actually, like these kinds of lists look like the sorts of things that Stoics would talk about. You know, avoid these things in life and try to exude these things. Paul talks about them in a slightly different way. Paul talks about the, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, as being a product of like being alive, Right? Like, I, I breathe because, guess what? I'm alive. Um, I, you know, if I, I, have, I have plants in my yard, right? Some of you all have seen these. They, they make pretty little yellow flowers. Yes, and, and I may run them over with a lawnmower, but about 12 minutes after I'm done, I have them again, right? Like, why do they make the flowers? Because I didn't manage to kill the weeds with the lawnmower, Right, and I can mow them all day, but if I'm not going to go around and either dig them up or dump poison on the lawn, they're going to keep coming back. Right? Um, things that are alive produce fruit. Right? Um, for dandelions, the fruit's not anything you'd want to eat. It's those awful little white things that you breathe in and give me allergy problems. Um, but the gifts of the spirit are a product of this being alive. There's another product of this being alive that we're going to touch into here in a second. We're going to start at chapter 6, verse 1. So Paul finishes up with this section, and he begins on a new topic. Um, And and we're going to do five verses. It's a very lean number of verses for me. Um, but, But there's a reason here. So, brethren, if anyone is caught in any trespasses, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you will so that you too will not be tempted. Um, so he finishes up talking about these are the sins that we, we need to avoid, this is the fruit of the spirit, and then he says, Listen, folks, 
if you come across somebody who's caught, now this word basically means like surprised, right? It's not like, it, 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 has anybody ever been caught doing something you weren't supposed to? And you knew you were caught? <laughs> it's like, oh. Um, Abby does that occasionally where she'll, she'll do something she's not supposed to. And, you know, you can hear the silence so you know something's up. And you approach and she immediately like freezes as though you're not going to see her. You know, it's sort of like, hope you don't realize that I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. Oh, please, please, please. Um, that, that's the idea here. And for Abby, when she gets caught doing something, and I'm, I'm guessing some of y'all had this growing up, or actually even as adults where you get caught in something that's just wrong, right? The expectation is that, that something bad is coming, right? I, I remember getting caught doing stuff as a kid, and the first instinct was to, to curl up and cover your head. Because <laughs> if there was a big wooden spoon in hand's reach, you were going to find out about it pretty quick. Um, and, and that's sort of this inclination we have. Oh, I'm caught. I'm in trouble now. I'm caught. I'm in trouble now. And Paul says, listen, if you catch somebody who has screwed up, the response isn't crush them, right? The response is to, like, exude these gifts. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Um, the problem is we're not good at that, right? We're just not. Um, when Actually, when Paul says, listen, restore them in a spirit of gentleness. Well, that's a part of the fruit of the Spirit. That's why he says, you who are spiritual, right? So exude, the, you know, demonstrate your gifts and restore the person. Deal with them properly. Deal with them in love. Not in a spirit of judgment, which is a hard thing about the church, right? There's a stereotype about churches in general that if you found out what I'm doing wrong, you're going you're gonna to judge me. Has anybody ever felt that way? So it's like three of us? Really? <laughs> um, I read, actually, there's a, a good book by Philip Yancey um, um, on, on why does God allow bad things to happen. Um, and, and he talks about working in a, in a um, mission at one point in his life. And he talked to this woman who had become a drug addict and a prostitute and was selling her kids um, and stuff like that. And he says, well, have you ever considered going to a church for help? And she looked at him and said, I feel bad enough already. I don't need those folks to let me know how bad I am. I already know. Um, oftentimes, folks get caught up in sin or they carry junk with them and they know that they're broken, right? They don't need us to remind them. What they need is restoration. And that's what Paul is encouraging here. If you catch somebody who's in a spot where they're stuck in sin, pick them up. Pick them up in love. Pick them up in grace. Pick them up in peace. But most of all, do it gently, right? It's a hard thing. It's a really hard thing because it's not what we do naturally. And how do we know that? Well, Paul tells us, right? The last part there. So that you too will not be tempted. How tempting is it to look at folks and say, oh, you screwed up, isn't it? Or, oh, you guys are bad, or, oh, you guys are wrong, or the other thing, and I, man, I'm good at this, to stand up and compare. Hey, I'm not doing as bad as that guy. <laughs> I might be a sinner, but I'm not like a Jimmy sinner. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I don't know why, <laughs> why I picked you out. I was actually going to pick on Susan, but I always pick on Susan, so I, I you know, and she's usually not here to hear it. Um, <laughs> So, so don't be tempted into this sort of unspiritual way of being. Like, act in a spiritual way. 
Here's where this transitions. Now check this out. Um, six two, um, there or excuse me, bear one another's burdens, thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Um, so first off, the word burden here in Greek it refers to something big and ungainly or shaped funny or whatever that makes it hard to hard to carry, right? I'm guessing uh, anybody who picks stones in a field has a has a sense of this. Is that right? Um, or anybody who has kids and has to carry the carrier, the kid, the diaper bag, and 12 bags of groceries at the same time. Um, like This refers to the idea of carrying something ungainly. Um, and folks do this all the time. This is an instance where Paul writes this portion of the letter, and it carries two meanings. Okay, The first meaning is related to sin. right? If we struggle with sin, which all of us do, whether we acknowledge it publicly or not, right? all of us sin... All of us stumble. All of us fall. If we're carrying a weight of sin that we can't manage, who's supposed to stand with us and help us with it? God. Yes, God. And God specifically, thank you, Mike. God specifically through the folks sitting in this room. Right? Take a minute to look at the people around you. I'm assuming that the majority of the folks here are in Christ, people with a relationship with Jesus. If we are in Christ, it is our job to carry each other. It is our job to look and say, oh, hey, you got your hands full. Can I take some of that? Um, Oh, it looks like you're having a crummy day. Is there anything I can do to make it better? Oh, it looks like you're falling behind. Is there anything, you know, like our job is to support each other. Support each other when we sin, right, is the first element to this. Um, when When we struggle and stumble, not to back up and say, man, God hates you. Right? And there, <laughs> and there are sins that make us feel like God probably hates us, right? Um, the first line, the first line of defense, like, like if you think of, of the people standing out in front who are carrying God's message, carrying God's like attitude and love, the first concrete encounter folks are supposed to have with Jesus is you. You, you, all of you. We are supposed to be the first line here. So when people meet you, and, and you respond with these gifts of the Spirit, you recognize that they struggle and they stumble and they fail and they have sin. Like, if you can see that in other folks, we're supposed to respond in grace by sharing the love of Jesus and talking about forgiveness, right? It's not easy. It's actually far easier to jump into the temptation and say, oh, you know what? I see you guys were late again. <laughs> I heard you accidentally swear the other day. I heard you, you know, or I see that you're... you're um, Um, In this sin is really what it comes down to. That's the first meaning. And so we're supposed to support each other by pointing each other to Jesus. And part of how we do that is by living it, by demonstrating it. Um, The other half of this, um, and it's it's something that every um, scholar I read agrees on, but it's not inherent in the context, Um, but it is inherent in the language, relates to difficulty we carry, right? All of us have hard things in life. If you meet somebody who doesn't have hard things or looks like their life is perfect, you're seeing an image of something that isn't real. Can I have an amen, by the way? (laughs) The fact of the matter is, if you look at someone and you say, their marriage is perfect, their kids are perfect, their life is perfect, this is perfect, that's perfect, why can't I have all that stuff? It probably isn't, right? But, again, this is a cultural value. We've got to hold it all in and pretend it is. Right? 
we gotta we gotta keep it keep it looking strong, keep it looking tough. What would John Wayne do? <laughs> right? He'd fix his problems by shooting them. <laughs> Maybe punching them, I don't know. <laughs> um, the reality is that, that that's not reality, right? That's not the way people are built. It's not the way God designed us. God designed us to carry weight for each other and with each other. That is like that's what it comes down to. Um, a heavy weight with one set of hands is heavy, right? Many hands make any burden light. Is there anybody here, anybody here, who if anyone else in this room approached you and said, my life is difficult, like, or I'm struggling with this, that you would like make fun of them or push them away or judge them, right? I don't think so. I don't know all of you that well, but I don't believe it's true. The downside of that is that we all assume it's true, or a lot of folks assume it's true, don't we? We assume if I let it out, everybody's going to know. The problem with that is when you live in that, like with sin, with, with any kind of hardship, anything, when you live in that place, um, it snowballs, right? It starts out little, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and eventually you're in a place you never intended to be, and you sort of look around and you think, well, how did I get here? Well, I was sad about this, and all I thought about was that, and all of a sudden the whole world started looking worse, and all of a sudden I'm in this, or I got stuck in this sin, and it just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and, and if I could just confess to someone, but if I confess to someone, they'll know I'm not perfect, and before you know it, you've got a big, ugly, horrible mess that you can't quite fix yourself. Um, years ago, I was working on a car. It was my first, my first car I ever did work on, right? And I, I bought my first set of tools. Some of them I had to unwrap while I was working on it, right? The battery cables kept disconnecting on me because they were, they were, it was a junky old car. I paid $500 for it. Um, <laughs> and I, I kept trying to fix it, and finally I said, I'm just going to put new cables in. That's what I'm going to do. And so I bought the cables, and I looked around, and I tried to figure out where they went. I bolted them on. I put them on, and the car started smoking, and the cables melted. <laughs> and I backed up and said, oh, my gosh, that's not supposed to be. And I unplugged them and took them back, and I said to the shop, I'm pretty sure you sold me cables that were too small. Give me bigger ones. And then I went and did it again. <laughs> and by the fourth time I replaced those cables, I was going to different shops because I didn't want them to know I was an idiot. Um, <laughs> And then finally, finally, I swallowed my pride and I called up a friend and I said, I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but every time I hook up the battery, the car catches fire. <laughs> and the guy came in, he watched me do it, and he watched the cables melt. This is like the fifth set. He says, take them off, take them off. He's like, you know what side the red one goes to, right? And I answered. I said, well, no, in, in, like, in science... Negative means it's charged because electrons are negative. That, that's right, right? Did anybody go to school? I'm, I'm correct, right? <laughs> In cars, <laughs> negative means not charged. <laughs> and, and so what I was doing was putting the cables on backward over and over and over again. I wouldn't have done it five times if I had stopped the first time and said, maybe I need some help. Um, obviously, this isn't the specific example. The specific example plays out when every time I talk to my wife, we have a shouting match. What am I doing wrong? I wake up in the morning, I can barely get out of bed, 
something is broken. Every time I'm alone, I find myself drawn to like look at pornography. Or every time I get depressed, I drink a little too much. Or every time I do this, this falls apart. Or every time I do that, this falls apart. And ultimately, it's going to keep happening if you keep doing the same stupid thing. I was referring to me putting battery cables on as stupid, not you. Um, pardon, sorry. <laughs> it's going to keep happening if we do the same thing over and over. God provides us an out in each other, right? God loved us so much, so much, so much, and I emphasize it three times to make a point here, that he sent his son to carry the weight of our sin, right? He poured all of his anger out, like the anger he has toward our sin, onto his son. God loves you that much. Um, Hannah actually like had trouble finding words this morning to describe her feelings when she thought about how much pain the Son of God went through for you and for me. That is how much God loves you. And Christ bore your weight on his back because he loves you that much. And we're going to take it a step further. Our job is to bear each other's burdens because we're supposed to love each other that much. When he says, thereby fulfill the law of Christ, what's the law of Christ? It's to love each other more than anything else, right? It's love and then love some more. And when you figure out that much, then you need to love a little more. And then you need to love a little more. And it should be at least as much as you love yourself, if not more than that, right? How do we fulfill the love of Christ? When you see someone struggling, you bear the weight with them. You restore them gently in love. Um, You help them carry the weight of the depression they've got. You help them carry the weight of the temptation they've got. And we need to be able to confess to each other. Now, I'm an idealist sometimes, but I'm not so idealist to believe that I'm going to finish this sermon and it's going to be that way. fact of the matter is, it is a very dangerous thing to confess to someone, isn't it? Because you make yourself very vulnerable. Um, Which is why sometimes it's easier for us to ask someone if they need a hand, right? And it goes beyond just, I'll pray for you. Anybody say that? Um, There's a line in James, one of my first favorite lines in the scriptures, where James says, um, what, I'm going to screw it up though now that I've said that, what good is it if you see a brother without clothes or without food and you say, hey, try to do better, (laughs) hey, I wish you well in all of that, and then head on your way, right? If you leave them hungry and naked, what kind of faith is that? Ultimately, like in our culture, very few people end up hungry and naked, Right? Like very few people. What people are hungry for in, in our culture, people are hungry for, for hope. They're hungry for comfort. They're hungry for relationship. They're hungry for all sorts of things. I met a kid once who would become violent just so people would hug him. Like he was in the home and he would like become aggressive and violent so somebody would snatch him up and hold on to him until he was done because the only time anyone ever hugged him, Right? I've met people who become nasty in relationships just to prove the other person still loves them because for some reason they can't figure out that folks love them. Our culture is full of people who are starving, starving for the love that God commands us to offer to each other, to carry each other's weight, to offer love to each other. Um, Sometimes we show up to church and we say, I get nothing out of this. If you are not getting anything out of it, you sure as heck should be giving something to the folks around you. If God has blessed you to the point that you have no difficulty, then you should be in a place where you've got all kinds of extra strength and energy to carry, carry other people's weight. It's not independence. It's not cowboy. It's not all these things. But it is 
what God commanded us to do. It's how God commanded us to live. I'm getting bogged down. I'm going to move on. Verse 3. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. What's he talking about? There are two ends to this. First off, if I try to carry every weight in my life and never confess sin and never do anything, I am thinking more of myself than God declares is true about me. Does that make sense? It's arrogant. It's pride. Pride is bad. Pride is wicked. Pride draws us away from God. Humility in that instance is, I need Jesus and I need the people around me who are in Jesus. Um, The other end of that is, when we stand up and say, helping you is beneath me. Right? And it's easy to stand in that place like, and say, well, I got important stuff to do. Your problems are not my problems. Have fun. Um, what Paul is saying here is, um, you think more of yourself, like I can carry everything, I can manage my sin myself, etc., or I'm too good to deal with you, or I'm going to judge you because look at how perfect I am, right? Then we're in a spot where we're lost. We're not recognizing that each and every one of us is a part of, a part of a bigger picture, a part of the body of Christ. I'm going to jump back to 1 Corinthians 12. Paul does this whole thing about many parts, one body, right? Like he's talking about um, spiritual gifts again. But um, at that point he says, listen, there is one body of Christ. We're all unified and the Holy Spirit is one body of Christ, but there's parts for all of us. Some of us have the job of being the eyes. Some of us have the job of being the mouth. I, apparently that's my job because I never shut up. Um, all of <laughs> it wasn't even Mike, Michael. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so each of us has a job, but um, and this is in 26. If one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If I stub my toe, fact of the matter is that pain is everywhere, right? <laughs> if I if I anybody ever have like a, a, a tooth problem that needed a root canal or a pulling. I don't care what anybody says, that goes everywhere, doesn't it? Um, When we feel depressed deep down in our heart, it's not just like the inner part of us that hurts, everything becomes heavy. Um, When we hurt, when each of us individually hurts or struggles or suffers or mourns or carries sin they can't confess or whatever, when any of us hurts, um, it should affect all of us. All of us should bear each other's burdens. But each one must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. Um, What's Paul talking about here? He's saying, well, look, if you're looking at somebody who's struggling, you better back up and look at your own life, right? Um, And what you accomplish on your own. If you look at your life and say, man, I really kick... Like, but I'm in awesome shape. I'm doing great spiritually. I'm awesome. Then you need to back up and recognize the only reason you're in any place that isn't the gutter is because Jesus died for you, right? Um, If I'm bragging in relation to another by saying, well, you know what? I may not be perfect, but I'm not Jeremy. Um, I may not be perfect, but I'm not, you know, whoever. If we're looking at each other and that becomes our basis for bragging, um, we're in a spot where we're not seeing the truth. I am only okay because Jesus died for me. I am only able to carry the own, my, like the whole weight of my life because Jesus carried the weight of my sins on the cross. And so he warns us, hey, look around you and recognize 
Now, here's where this is going to get confusing. I wasn't going to go five verses. I was actually only going to go three, but this is important. In five, if you read it in context, then he says, for each one will bear his own load. (laughs) Wait a minute. You said we're supposed to carry each other's burdens, and now you're saying each of us is supposed to carry our own load? There are two different words in Greek, right? This actually should say every one of us will carry our own backpack or our own knapsack or our own like bedroll, right? The word load here is a Greek word referring to stuff you carry for your own like for your own use or like cargo in a ship. Um, the stuff that you carry, your own load, is that each of us will stand before Jesus individually, right? I, I, I. You know, I will stand in front of God and I will answer for myself. Carly is going to stand in front of Jesus one day and she's going to answer for herself. Um, I cannot take anybody to the cross, right? I cannot take their sins with me and make them right before Jesus. I can't do that. We all get to do it. And so this load is not the crushing burden. It's actually, like Jesus says, right? My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Um, the burden we carry is Jesus in our lives. Um, if we look at ourselves and say, I'm perfect, I don't sin, I don't fail, I don't stumble, I don't fall, I don't need any of you people. Um, if we look at ourselves that way, then we are carrying our own weight, right? Because we're not saying, it's Jesus who carried my weight and I'm with you. Um, as you examine your heart, as you stand around others, if judgment is the first thing that comes to mind, the weight you're going to carry when you stand in front of God ain't the weight you want. The weight that we want is the one where we have a debt of love to each other. We have a debt of grace to each other. Um, Where we're right in Christ and the folks around us are family. When I see Abby, Abby, she's a Band-Aid every two minutes. She hasn't figured out that Band-Aids are bleeding, right? And she'll come and she'll cry and she fell and she is going to have a bruise, and she's like, I need a Band-Aid on this. And guess what I do? I put a Band-Aid on it, right? (laughs) I may think, you should toughen up and and suck it up and deal with your problem, child. (laughs) But in reality, I put a Band-Aid on it because that's what she thinks she needs right now. Um, And I love her. When we look at each other, if we don't recognize that Jesus loves us to a degree that's far beyond what I love my daughter. And I love my daughter through and through. But like the love that God has for us is beyond our ability to understand. If we look at each other and we say, wow, you're depressed? Man, you're hardly any kind of a man, are you? Or, wow, you're always asking for help? Why don't you suck it up? Why don't you man up a little bit? Like We need to recognize that that attitude is not love. That we're here to carry each other. That we're here to provide opportunities for each other to be family together and be intimate together by confessing and by um, being in fellowship. Um, well, that's all that. No, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna close in prayer. My challenge for you today um, is to look at your own lives, look at your own heart. I'm actually gonna axe our last song. Is that okay? Nobody's because I went a little long. Um, I only did five verses and I went long. That's terrible. Um, I'm going to close with a challenge, and we're going to have lunch together, tacos, which is great. Yeah. And that's the amount of love that we ought to be demonstrating for tacos and each other. Um, (laughs) um, (laughs) I really do love tacos. Um, 
gonna, <laughs> I'm going to lead us in prayer. My challenge for you today, I'm going to close with a blessing, but my challenge for you today, my challenge for you in this coming week, my challenge for you in the rest of your life as a member of the body of Christ is to make yourself available, to look for weight that other people are having trouble with, pick it up off their back and carry it with them. Um, be like Jesus in those instances. Carry the weight for each other. Um, we're not in this alone. God gave us the body of Christ. God gave us each other. Heavenly Father, um, I pray that you would be with us this week. Help us to look at each other's hearts and souls and help us to, to um, pick each other up. Help us to carry each other. Help us to recognize that, that, um, that we're to keep our eyes affixed on you and that keeping our eyes affixed on you means that we help each other that we act like you in relation to our brothers and sisters in Christ, that we leave judgment out of our hearts, that we leave judgments out in the street where they belong, that we leave condescension and bitterness and separation and ask, Lord, that you just please help us to love each other in the way that Jesus loved us. Um, In Christ's name, amen. Now stand up and we'll do a blessing and then we will file out for tacos. May the God May the God who sent his son to carry the weight of our sins, the weight of our brokenness, the weight of our hurt. May the God who sent his son give you the strength and the wisdom and the spirit to emulate that action in relation to each other. Um, carry each other's weight. Amen.